Hey, welcome to the Rancher Radio Podcast. My name is Jim Watkins. I am your humble host. And today we're going to talk about world government from the perspective of a Melchizedek son of Nebadon who decided to give us some advice. That's right. 30 years into modern civilization, lo and behold, the revelation comes along. And in one of the papers, uh, there is a Melchizedek. And as you know, Melchizedeks are the teachers of the universe. We will have many encounters with Melchizedeks. They will be our professors in the in the spiritual kingdom. So how fortunate is, is it for us to be able to get from a Melchizedek son some basic instruction on how to create a much better society for everyone? And that's what we're going to talk about this time up. I do want to mention to my friends over at urantiabook.org, uh, I encourage you to stop by their website and sign up for their emails that they send out, the mini messengers. Uh, some of the greatest articles that I've ever read. Go to urantiabook.org. You don't have to sign up for anything. You don't pay for anything. But in your inbox, and this is not a commercial, I'm endorsing it because I love what they send me. And there's a great article about water written by a gentleman. And I may uh, share some of that in an upcoming podcast, but you should read it. It's a great article about the miracle of water. Uh, and he, of course, is a Urantia Book reader. And also uh, the... IC23 is still coming up July 24th through the 28th, which is just around the corner. And if you're like me, you wait till the last minute to make plans. But Living the Teachings, Heart, Mind, and Soul, IC23. And if you want more information on what's happening and where it's happening in Chicago at the Oak Brick Hills Resort and Conference Center. Uh, so, you know, Hilton's always a nice place to stay, and it's a really good environment. I've seen the pictures. So go to yourranchabook.org. And you can get all the information you need. In the meantime, let's get on. Uh, we'll take a quick second to thank our sponsors. And then on to Melchizedek's advice on the ideals of statehood. This time up on the Arantia Radio Podcast. So one of my wonderful listeners to the podcast, which has now exceeded 100,000 downloads, thanks to you, is the uh, current situation that we have in the world today where it's clear that leadership is has run out of ideas, hence why we're in the middle of so much turmoil, I think. Uh, and, and it is true. I mean, you know, we know from the Urantia book that the a planet of ours is a, an experimental world. They try new things. Everything is about trying new things. I mean, our history is replete with, at least according to the Urantia book narrative, with all kinds of attempts to introduce new life, new variations of life, new biological functions of life. The fact that will appeared before the colored races was an experiment to see how far will could take non-colored races, which typically are the more advanced of the species. But thanks to Andon and Fanta, uh, who were absolutely brilliant. They were real torchbearers if, in the literal sense, as well as the, uh, you know, metaphorical sense. And so here we are, uh, you know, 35 years into what I, what I call modern civilization, that being that period after electricity was harnessed, telephone, communications. We've harnessed uh, the energy that comes out of the ground. So talk about 1890, through 1950, that was really the beginnings of what we would consider modern civilization. We also saw two world wars, 
continued conflict around the world, empires that were now set asunder towards one another, everybody, like the, the game war, everybody trying to grab their little piece of the pie. And we've done much of it with just a little bit of revelation. Thank God we had Christ show up 2,000 years ago and give us some moral direction because that moral direction led to things like the Magna Carta and the Declaration of Independence and these ideas of free will. And our founding fathers captured a lot of what, what was taught. And thank God for that. And it's a shame that our uh, systems of education today do not uh, treat with the same respect how innovative our founding fathers truly were because what they were essentially saying is we are free will creatures. We are endowed by a creator who has to give us free will. We are not robots. In fact, it is that free will, it is that moral discretion or discernment, that truth yearning that distinguishes us from all of our animal cousins. We know this from not only our own biology, but the Arantia book says it, and so does the Bible. All the ancient texts, all of the ancient religions carry forth the truth that there's something different and unique about man. And it is true, but we are full of foibles. We're full of imperfections. We, at this point, it's fair to say maybe we don't know how to handle liberty and free will. Because a lot of the people in this, in this day and age are adopting the more Luciferian approach to liberty without restraint. Trying all kinds of new ideas. And, to, you know, Dennis Prager, who's one of the leading, I would say, moralists of the day, and in whom I have association with, uh, speaks often about this new ideology which seeks to destroy the past. You know, in many senses, Lucifer took that same possession. You know, forget about the old, forget about the way it used to be. This is the new era. We can do what we want. We don't have restrictions. Those restrictions are self-imposed. Get rid of the guilt associated with pleasure. And you'll have more pleasure. We don't have to go with the standards and practices of our forefathers and ancestors. We can try new ways of, of having, having the family unit. Let's enlarge the family unit to include the community. Great idea. Where has it worked? So around 30 years into this modern civilization, the Urantia revelators decided while we're giving them all this revelation about their past, why don't we give them some instruction on what the ideals of statehood really are. What is the ideal state? I mean, we're all trying to figure it out. And here coming from these brilliant beings who've lived well nigh in eternity, they've been around the block. You know, uh, we are planet 606, which means there are 605 planets that evolved free will life before we showed up in, in our system. With Jerusalem being our capital, the system is the Satania system. And I don't know what number of the system it is, but we're on the outskirts of not only the grand universe, but we're even far out from Uversa. We're way far out. We're on the edge. We're on the periphery. This is why we can see the outer uh, first ring of the next creation. You know, Andromeda is over there to the right and everything else is to the left, essentially inward so we're pretty uh, pretty far out we're 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 an island really 
They say that w- without exception, we are the s- uh, we are second from being the farthest removed from our central universe abode. So the fact that Christ chose our our planet when he had a choice of 10 million different planets that comprise his local creation is pretty significant. So he saw either great potential or great need or perhaps a mixture of both. But in his wisdom, uh, he chose to come. And then also, through the uh, authority of Gabriel and the Ancients of Days, they decided to give these people on planet 606 uh, some instruction, a way to go forward with all this ideational confusion. You know, we couldn't help them before because of Caligastia, because of the default. Melchizedek did a tremendously fabulous job in keeping truth alive around 2000 BC. It has served us well. It was that baton uh, that carried over to the birth of the Creator's Son and then his lessons before he exited stage left. So in paper 71, we read all about the ideal state. I won't go through the whole paper, but I do want to go through some of it. And I'm, I'm praying and I'm hoping that if you're in a position of business with the government or if you're a government employee or you work for the government or you have some access to someone in the government, that you'll take heed with what our revelators are telling us are ways to get to the ideal state. These are things that will help you in the ages to come. So we'll start from the beginning, and I'll comment along the way. And again, this is a a brief summation of what they had to uh, say in paper 71. The state is a useful evolution of civilization. It represents society's net gain from the ravages and sufferings of war. Even statecraft is merely the accumulated technique for adjusting the competitive contest of force between the struggling tribes and nations. The modern state is the institution which survived in the long struggle for group power. Superior power eventually prevailed and it produced a creature of fact, the state, together with the moral myth of the absolute obligation of the citizen to live and die for the state. But the state is not of divine genesis. It was not even produced by volitionally intelligent human action. It is purely an evolutionary institution and was wholly automatic in origin. The embryonic state. The state is a territorial, social, regulative organization, and the strongest, most efficient, and enduring state is composed of a single nation whose people have a common language, mores, and institutions. The northern tribes of the American red men never attained real statehood. They never progressed beyond a loose confederation of tribes, a very primitive form of state. Their nearest approach was the Iroquois Nation Federation, but this group of six nations never quite functioned as a state and failed to survive because of the absence of certain essentials to modern national life. It is interesting that they bring up the Red Man, the uh, American Indian, because they never, if they had achieved statehood, it is all altogether likely that that we would have more of a presence of the American Indian because they would have kept larger parts. Perhaps they would have been able to push back against the European. <clears throat> but because they failed statehood, they were more easily uh, brought under control. I guess is what they're saying. 
Uh, and that, by the way, is also true for the subjugation of Africa. By the time the Danes and the Middle Eastern nations, these people were well-developed in their acumen for war and conquest, uh, and, and most of Africa languished, had no statehood, and primarily it had to do with climate and size. It was such a large nation, large continent. It w it's not easy. It's not hard to understand why they had, you know, so many different languages. You know, just villages were hundreds, if not thousands of miles away, isolated. So it was much harder and it would require a much longer period of time for Africa to achieve a kind of statehood that we saw emerging in Europe and elsewhere. So it says some of the essentials of, uh, of, of things that you need to achieve ideal statehood. Number one, acquirement and inheritance of private property. Number two, cities plus agriculture and industry. Number three, helpful domestic animals. Number four, practical family organization. These red men clung to the mother family and nephew inheritance. Again, referring to the red man. Using them and their early form of government as a cautionary tale. Number five, one of the things you need for an ideal state to form is definite territory. A strong executive head. Number six, enslavement of captives. They either adopted or massacred them. Uh, decisive conquests. The red men were too democratic. They had a good government, but it failed. Eventually, they would have evolved a state had they not prematurely encountered the more advanced civilization of the white man who was pursuing the governmental methods of the Greeks and the Romans. And then they go on to say in paper 71, the successful Roman state was based on the father family, agriculture and the domestication of animals, condensation of population, cities, private property and land, slavery, classes of citizenship, conquest and reorganization of weak and backward peoples, definitive territory with roads, personal and strong rulers, and then it goes on to say in paper 71, section 1, paragraph 22, the great weakness in Roman, Roman civilization and a factor in the ultimate collapse of the empire was the supposed liberal and advanced provisions for the emancipation of the boy at 21 and the unconditional release of the girls so that she was at liberty to marry a man of her own choosing or to go abroad in the land and become immoral. The harm to society consisted not in the reforms themselves, but rather in the sudden and extensive manner of their adoption. Things changed too quickly. The collapse of Rome indicates what may be expected when a state undergoes too rapid extension associated with internal degeneration. Uh, noodle that for a minute. What are they telling us here? The collapse of Rome indicates what may be expected. They're talking to us. When a state or a nation like the United States undergoes too rapid extension associated with internal degeneration. Look at the popularity of porn, human trafficking, drug abuse, homelessness. Uh, this new design or intention for the you know, community, community family as opposed to the nuclear family, the father family. Remember that? Failure of the state integration results in retrogression. 
to pre-state conditions of governmental technique, such as the feudalism of the European Middle Ages. During these dark ages, the territorial state collapsed, and there was a reversion to the small castle groups, the reappearance of the clan and tribal stages of development. Similar semi-states even now exist in Asia and Africa, but not all of them are evolutionary reversions. Many are the embryonic nucleuses of states of the future. I wonder what they're talking about there. What are they referring to? Like places in South Africa, perhaps? Um, Take some thought on that. What are some of the smaller areas of the world right now that may be budding embryonic nucleuses of states of the future? That's interesting, isn't it? All right, on to section two, the evolution of representative government. Take note, because we are a representative government. Paper 71, section two, paragraph one. Democracy, while an ideal, is a product of civilization, not of evolution. Go slowly. Select carefully. For the dangers of democracy are, one, glorification of mediocrity, choice of base and ignorant rulers, failure to recognize the basic facts of social evolution, which I think is antecedent to saying not all people are equal. Some are more talented in other ways. We are not all cosmic duplicates. Each one of us has a character flaw and a character greatness. Uh, so, And I'm adding my own interpretation here because in other places it says this idea that everybody has equal that equal outcomes are the desires is, is, is a, is a fallacy. Other things that go into, uh, that are problematic of representative government, dangers of universal suffrage in the hands of uneducated and indolent majorities, slavery, slavery to public opinion. The majority is not always right. Uh, public opinion, common opinion has always delayed society. Nevertheless, it is valuable. For while retarded social evolution, while retarding social evolution, it does preserve civilization. Education of public opinion is the only safe and true method of accelerating civilization. Education of public opinion. In other words, people need to be informed on what's really happening, what's really true. Force is only a temporary expedient and cultural growth will increasingly accelerate as bullets give way to ballots. Public opinion, the mores, is the basic and elemental energy in social evolution and state development. But to be of state value, it must be nonviolent in expression. Remember, these are the words of divine, smart personality beings. They've, they've been around the block a few times, as I mentioned. Remember, we're the 606th planet. The measure of advance of society is directly determined by the degree to which public opinion can control personal behavior and state regulation through nonviolent expression. They really emphasize that, and that's good. The really civilized government had arrived when public opinion was clothed with the powers of personal franchise. Popular elections may not always decide things rightly, but they represent the right way even to do a wrong thing. Evolution does not at once produce superlative perfection, but rather comparative or comparative and advancing practical adjustment. There are ten ways or stages 
to the evolution of a practical and efficient form of representative government. Again, giving us instruction. Freedom of the persons, slavery, serfdom, and all forms of human bondage must disappear. Freedom of the mind, unless a free people are educated, taught to think intelligently and plan wisely, freedom usually does more harm than good. The reign of law, liberty can be enjoyed only when the will and whims of human rulers are replaced by legislative enactments in accordance with accepted fundamental law. Number four, freedom of speech. Representative government is unthinkable without freedom of all forms of expression by, for human aspiration and opinion. Security of property, number, eight, uh, number five. No government can long endure if it fails to provide for the right to enjoy personal property in some form. Man craves the right to use, control, bestow, sell, lease, and bequeath his personal property. Number six, the right of petition. Representative government assumes the right of citizens to be heard. The privilege of petition is inherent in free citizenship. Number seven, the right to rule. It is not enough to be heard. The power of petition must progress to the actual management of the government. Number eight, universal suffrage. Representative government presupposes an, an intelligent, efficient, and universal electorate. The character of such a government will ever be determined by the character and caliber of those who compose it. As civilization progresses, suffrage, while remaining universal for both sexes, will be effectively modified, regrouped, and otherwise differentiated. Control of public servants. No civil government will be serviceable and effective unless the citizenry possess a wise use of techniques of guiding and controlling office holders and public servants. And then finally, number 10, intelligent and trained representation. The survival of democracy is dependent on successful representative government. And that is conditioned by upon the practice of electing to public office only those individuals who are technically trained, intellectually competent, socially loyal, and morally fit. Only by such provisions can government of the people, by the people, and for the people be preserved. Now, to be fair, we, uh, we in the United States and other Western democracy do achieve a level of success in these areas. There's no question that we're on the right path. But as it says, you know, uh, you know, it's not perfect, but it gets there. Evolution does not at once produce a superlative perfection of government, but they are rather comparative, 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 and advancing practical adjustments. So we're making progress. Sometimes two steps forward, one step back. It's interesting that another paper where they delve into a government on a neighboring world, uh, they, they choose a world that's very similar where we are evolution-wise in our stage of development. And they talk about this one particular government and the way that they elect and the way that they choose their leadership. And in my works in other areas of broadcasting, I've often, re, re, because of what I've read in the Arantia book, have stated that it's, if we don't have good leadership, then everything else follows suit. And we see more and more examples of this today in the world because so many of our leaders are, uh, first of all, not to get too political, but when you hang around a little bit too long, you sort of out 
you're, you're no longer useful. When you have senators and congresspeople that have been in those positions of, of authority for decades, you know that they, they're a little bit in deep and, and they're not, they're, they're, uh, they're influenced by their constituency. And so everything, all of their decisions are made with the idea of, is this going to help me get reelected? And that's not good leadership. And I think they get into that, that we really, this representative government re, really does require an educated population. It's, and we have to determine the direction of the government. The government doesn't get to direct its own future. We have to constantly replenish it with ideas that are based on these 10 principles that they set forth. There are some, now nowhere in any of these 10 you know, things that we could do for a truly re representative government, nowhere in there does it say anything about what the government has to do for you. Uh, number nine, control of public servants. No civil government will be serviceable and effective unless the citizenry possess and use wise techniques of guiding and controlling officers and public servants. We have to control them. And right now there's a huge power shift where they feel that they're better. You know, of course we talk about this a lot, but these are divine principles given to us with the point of getting us to that next stage to get through this period, what I consider to be the beginnings of potentially a dark age. So I think take heed on this. Paper 71 is a great place to start. And again, I wanted to share that primarily because I had someone, a gentleman, who said, hey man, maybe it's time to look for the truths in the Urantia book to see if they can help us out. And he's right. So we'll go out with some birds and to keep the mood alive. This week I'll be interviewing Joel Garbone. We're going to talk about UFOs and ancient aliens and what the Urantia book has to say about that. So that'll be coming up soon on the next edition of the Urantia Radio Podcast. And I want to thank you again. Email me anytime, urantiabookradio at gmail.com, urantiabookradio at gmail.com. And again, thank you so much. God bless, and thanks for stopping by. Turn, turn, turn There is a season turn